So what is your story? What is your story? You were just singing, this is my story, this is my song. What is that? And do you, do you talk about it all the day long? Do you really? We are called by God as disciples of Jesus to spread the story through our story. It's a part of what it means to be rooted in Christ Jesus. We're in the series, we're talking about being rooted. That is having our lives established on the truth of God's word in the name and the power of Jesus. And, and when we do this, there's going to be a natural outflow of his love from our lives into the lives of other people as we communicate to them what it is God has done and is doing. God's story is, is making a difference in the world, and he's, that difference is being made through, through his children's story as we share our story, which is God's story. So what's your story? As those who follow Jesus, we have a great privilege and responsibility to pursue the Lord by sharing what it is he's done and is doing in our lives. Do you know how to do that? Our text today is going to provide us opportunity. This series, we've been looking at the life of Peter. We've looked at each week uh, something he said in an epistle. Then we look at something he experienced or he was a part of with his life. And so we're going to do that today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out. And uh, although I'm going to be preaching in, uh, in Acts 3 and 4, let's go first to Acts chapter 2 to understand what's going on with Peter. Peter uh, was used by God to bring the, the foundational preaching of the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 2, what you read about there is Pentecost. This is the beginning of the end. Once the Spirit of God came, that was the sign, that was the revelation of God, that the end was now uh, awaiting. We are now awaiting the return of Jesus. Now, the, the Spirit of God came to, to bring all believers together of all different languages. And so that's what happened at Pentecost. All that were separate and different became one in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter was central in teaching that day. So if you go over to Acts chapter three, you see now Peter uh, being used by God to heal a lame person. And then being brought before the authorities to give explanation as for what exactly happened, by what power and, and, and in whose name this happened. And so Peter now has the opportunity to do what God called him to do, which is to share the story through his story. His response is, is, is worthy as, as all of this is of note. And that's what we're going to stand together and, and focus on. So let's all stand together in honor of, of God's word. And Caitlin's going to come and she's going to read for us uh, from Acts chapter 4. She's going to read for us verses 9 through 12. This is Peter's response to the authorities asking how it is he was able to, to heal this, this lame beggar. Go ahead. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man standing before you well, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you, Kayla. If you would go ahead and be seated. Now, let's remember, after Pentecost, Peter became the original spokesperson for the church. And Peter, from this point, was known for not only his pronouncements, which were very important to the life of the church, but, but also his service to the church. And, and what we find in Peter is a consistency in how he described the gospel and the need of humanity. humanity. And he describes a, a supernatural transformation so that the identity of a person becomes something radically different. Hold your finger in there in Acts chapter three and four and turn over right now to 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter, he is describing the, the unique difference between uh, a person who is a believer and a non-believer because uh, this is gonna describe you. What I'm about to read is either gonna describe you or not describe you. And if it describes you, it means you're a disciple of Jesus. If it doesn't describe you, it means that you have not yet repented and believed in Jesus. But I'm praying today that maybe you will. So if you're not a disciple of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, would you right now just go ahead and say, Lord God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And if you want to change me today, I'm, I'm open to that. Would you dare to pray that? And even right now, if you're a disciple of Jesus, to say, Lord, if I'm not really doing this the way I'm supposed to, would you show me and would you change me? Let's, let's look at this. This is 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. This is the word of God. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So what's your story? Is that your story? Is that your song? Is that what, what brings praise from your lips to the Father? Is that what you share with those who are around you? Understand, this is the responsibility of every disciple. You might want to write this down. Every disciple has a story that is the story of Jesus. Every disciple has a story that is the story of Jesus. And I mean that in two ways. Uh, and, and one way, I mean it that he actually is the author of your story. Psalm 139, verse 16. I've referenced this verse, and I want to continue to reference it because to me it's, it's, a, it's a keynote verse for my own theology. Psalm 139, verse 16 says, Before any of our days had been, he had already written them down in, in, in the book. He had already written our story. Now, that doesn't mean we believe in fatalism. That's not what the Bible teaches. The, the Bible teaches destiny. And so what we have to understand is there is a compatibility between God being in control and us being responsible for our decisions. It's compatible. It's, com it's compatible. And so there's actually a theology. I would encourage you to Google it and understand it. It's called compatibilism. It is this belief that the Bible teaches that God is in control and we are responsible. And in his control, God has already written our story and we are able to live freely under his guiding hand to accomplish all that he has planned for us. It is a glorious peace that I have to know that every storm I go into, that he can either uh, calm it or keep me in it. And if he wants to calm it, that's his business. That means he has a purpose. If he wants me to keep me in it, he's gonna have to calm me, but that's good too. Either way, I know that everything that comes into my life 
God's in control. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, you need to know that too. That your story is a part of his story. It's his story. And what he's writing, what he's written, and what he's wanting to fulfill in you, it's going to have all kinds of plot twists that you don't see now. It's going to have different chapters. Some of you are right in the middle of a chapter. Some of you are at the end of a chapter. Some of you, you don't even know it yet, but you're about to start a new chapter in your life. He's the author of it. There's going to be character changes. As this goes along, different people will come into your life. But what you can know is if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's going to develop your character in this story. You're going to become more and more like Jesus. So in one sense, that's what I mean, that that he is the author of our story. It's also in a sense that our story is Jesus' story. He was dead and raised to life. We were dead in our trespasses, and he raised us to life. Alex was baptized at the 930 service this morning. And, and I, again, his dad took him under the water. He was buried with Christ. His old life was over, washed. He was raised to walk in new life. And so we all share in this miraculous power. And by the way, it is miraculous. It is miraculous what God does to bring a person from death to life. And we're to share what God has done. And, and please understand, I know some of you, just, you don't share your testimony because you think, well, my, my testimony, it, you know, it's, it's boring. Friends, no miracle is boring. And I think it's very important to understand what God saved you from is not nearly as important as what he has saved you to. I'm gonna say that again, it's very important. What he has saved you from is not nearly as important what he has saved you to. What brings him glory is what he has saved you to. My family, there's five of us. We're all Christians. We've, we've all repented and believed in Jesus. But my testimony is very different than that of my family. My wife and my children were raised to, to know Jesus. They, were, they heard preaching before they were born. They heard songs before they were born. They've been prayed for. They've been, they've been told and taught how to study the Bible. They've been asked hard theological questions. They have been raised in the church. They've been raised by Christian parents. I wasn't. But we've had the same experience in Jesus Christ. And it was a miracle. We were once dead in our trespasses. And supernaturally, God brought us to life. We felt conviction. We repented of our sins. And we believed. What's, what's not so important is that what we are saved from. You know, when we talk about the three circles... You know, so many times we, we get caught, you know, here and, and, and it's sad. And I just really want to speak to this. So many people, when they share their testimonies, they want to talk about what they used to be. And they want to talk about the suffering and the pain. And that's real. And I get that. But what, what transforms other people's lives is the gospel. It's the good news that God loved you, died for you, paid for your sins, now lives in you. You have to repent and believe this gospel. That's what, that's what I did, what my family members have done. Now, what we repented from, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And that the miracle of God, it's by the miracle of God that we were brought to life to repent. And now we're able to pursue and recover God's design. So many Christians, some of you sitting here today, you just say, I don't have a testimony to share. If you're saved, you have a story. And that story is a miracle. 
This, uh, this summer I've been reading uh, 18th and 19th century biographies about pastors. And one of the things that was frustrating to me is that there wasn't a lot of information about their lives before they met Jesus. And over and over I was like, what is the deal? Why won't they, why, you know, did they just not keep up? Then I read the introduction last week in a biography I'm reading right now and it made sense to me. This is powerful, listen to this. Many of the early Christians looked upon their existence prior to conversion as unworthy of being called life and spoke of the time which brought them into fellowship with Christ by his spirit as the day of their birth. Go to the next one. There we go. When therefore, for any reason, they gave a biographical account of themselves, whenever they shared their testimony or of others, very little attention was paid to that which preceded their reception of Christ. It's not so important what we're saved from as what we are saved to. And what the world needs to hear is that they can be saved. No matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, no matter what has happened, Jesus Christ can heal you and save you and give you a new life. And I'm praying that some of you will receive it today. I'm praying that some of you will live in it today. It's our responsibility now to share if that is now our story. It is our responsibility to share our story so that other people can know his story. And our text shows us how. Now, go back to Acts 3. I am not going to be able to do justice to this text. What I'm giving you is an outline for your further study, okay? Take notes. I'm going to give some verses, I'm going to give you some context, but then you're going to have to spend some time digging into this to discover all that that the Spirit of God has provided in these inspired words. But make note of these few things. A disciple of Jesus spreads God's story through their story by certain things. First of all, living a hopeful and helpful life. Peter lived a hopeful and helpful life. He was on his way to, to, to pray. It's around the ninth hour, in the middle of the afternoon, and he sees this lame beggar, and he looks down at him, and and he identifies with him. He kind of says, look, I understand where you're at. And silver and gold, I have none, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And dude got up and started walking. And people started freaking out. And Peter was totally like, Yeah, this is what God does. He takes what is broken, and in the name of Jesus, he heals it and makes it new. This was not a big deal to Peter. You want to know why? He'd seen Jesus do this before. He'd seen someone lost and stuck in brokenness, transformed supernaturally by the power of God. And he had the confidence to believe that God could do it again. This was not a big thing to him. Let let me remind you of something. I say this all the time. Let me remind you again. Nothing is big to God. Everything is small to God. Some of you are looking at things in your life, people in your life, circumstances, situations, and they seem big to you. They may even seem big to me. They're not big to God. He has the power to overcome. Peter saw this in this man's life. And so he, he identifies with him. And having seen Jesus do the miracle before, he just believed that God had the power to do it again. He was able to live hopeful and be helpful. He saw the need. That's important. He saw the need. 
Do you see the needs around you? Let me tell you a need that most of us ignore. It's maybe the most devastating need in our culture right now. Depression is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. Why? Because of a, a terrible thing called loneliness. Do you realize a majority of the people you work with, that you live around, that you go to school with, and they're in the places where you hang out, a majority of them are suffering from depression because they are lonely. And you, who've been given the light, are called by God to love them, to tell them the story of what Jesus can do to invite them to come. Can, I know it's so hard to imagine those of you who've spent a lot of time here, but I can remember what it felt like to be an outsider and to sit in pews and to hear songs and to hear teaching and to be wanted. Do you realize that there are people that would love to sit in these pews with you? That it would be the highlight of their week, even if they don't believe a thing we sing or say, because they would experience acceptance and love here, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been. Do you, you know how much how much hope that that would give, even if it, it's just common grace, not redemptive grace. Friends, do you see the need? Are you willing to see it? Are you willing to look at people and know Jesus could heal this marriage? Jesus could heal this angry young person. Jesus could, could bring transformation to this person's life. This is a small thing. Well, that only happens when disciples of Jesus are, are living a hopeful and helpful life. Secondly, we've got some explaining to do. A disciple of Jesus spreads God's story through their story by explaining the need and hope of humanity. Uh, Peter, Peter, when he would preach, I, I've studied this. I would encourage you to study. It's fascinating. Just go back in, in, in the book of Acts and look at the times when, when Peter would preach or teach. There were similarities, There's, there are similarities to everything that Peter says. There is a consistency in the way he says it. And it, it almost, it seems like it just flows so naturally. And it did because he spoke it and shared it so often. If you ever see somebody really good at something, here's what you can know. They've done that regularly for a while. You know, there's absolutely no good sports on TV right now. I mean, we were, uh, we were at a restaurant uh, yesterday afternoon, and uh, Ashton and I were sitting there, we were laughing because we were watching amateur basketball, which it was a $2 million prize, by the way, pretty cool. Let's get a team up is what I'm saying. I can't play, but I'll coach and we'll cut the money, but... There was this other deal, and we saw this at the beach before. It's a trampoline, and there's two people, and they're bouncing a ball, right? Complete amateurs. This is on TV. And so Asher's thinking, Dad, we could do that. And I'm thinking, nah, they're diving. They're jumping. They're really good at this. They, they've done this more than once. If you ever see someone really good at something, here's what you can do. Here's what you can know. They've done it a few times. Some of you are terrified to share your testimony. You're terrified to share the gospel, and here's why. Because you, you do it so seldomly. You're afraid you're going to say it wrong. You're afraid you're going to do it wrong. You're afraid you're going to get something. You want to know why? Because you don't do it enough. 
If you will get used to sharing the gospel and what Jesus has done in your life, you will find it so easy just to start letting it come out, just letting it spill out. You're, you're gonna come into contact with people and, and you're gonna be able to say, hey, let me show you where you are. And you'll, you'll be able to draw your little three circles and, and, and you'll know right where to begin with them. Because let me tell you the easiest place to begin. All right, this is the easiest place to begin the conversation. Show of hands, how many of you every single day hear at least one person complain? Raise your hands, you hear somebody complain. Yes, and those of you who don't, you are blessed. <laughs> Most of us every day hear somebody, I just can't believe, <laughs> well, I don't like it. <laughs> it's a perfect opportunity to share the story. To share your story. to share Because here's what you can say is, yep, the world is not as it should be. Because God's design was harmony. And the reason why you're, yeah, 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 is because of sin. Either yours or someone else, which has created brokenness. But good news, God will forgive you. God can forgive them. They can repent and believe. And they can pursue and recover God's design. And we can, we can together have this peace. That's good news. But you have to get used to saying that. You have to get used to speaking to people who say, our marriage is failing. My children are frustrating. My, my job isn't working out. My life, speaking to the brokenness and pointing to the cross, how Jesus can use it and restore it to enable you to pursue and recover God's design. Friends, if we're gonna get good at sharing the gospel like Peter was, we've got to, We've got to get used to explaining it over and over, explaining the need and the hope of humanity. Another thing we got to do is we got to make the call, all right? Write it down. A disciple of Jesus spreads God's story through their story by calling people to repent and believe. We got to call them to it. Uh, look in verse 19 of Acts chapter 3 and circle that word if you don't mind. Circle that word in your Bible. Highlight that verse if you're on your, on your, um, on your electronic device. Once you get to that word, uh, what is that word? Say it out loud. Okay, so it's Acts chapter 3, verse 19. I'm looking for a word that begins with an R, begins with a T. There we go. Say it again. Yeah. Repent. Peter calls them and says, look, it's time for a change. Right here. Repent. Therefore, and turn back. Believe. It's the time of restoration. He's explained the, the story of the Bible. He's explained how the Old Testament fulfill, has been fulfilled by Christ in the New Testament. He's, he's outlined all this stuff. He's, he's told them the whole thing. But it, there comes a point when you just have to say, okay, it's time. Yes or no? I led a man to Christ when I was in college. And I, I nervous chatter. I just kept talking. And so finally I was like, so look, do you want to do this? Is this what you want to do? And he looked at me and said, dude, I was saved five minutes ago. I couldn't get you to quit talking. <laughs> when I'm nervous, I talk. He repented. He was, he was just waiting for me to say, are you ready? I want to ask some of you right now, are you ready? Some of you in this room, you are not Christians. Are you ready to repent and believe the gospel? I'm gonna ask everyone across the room, bow your head and close your eyes. Everyone across the room. If you are not a Christian and today you want to be saved, 
Here's what I prayed, and I invite you to pray it. Just talk to God. God, I know I've sinned. Forgive me of my sin. I know you paid for it on the cross. Take over my life. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's what you prayed, no matter what level of faith you have, the smallest amount, you have become a disciple of Jesus. Now, some of you are disciples of Jesus, and you need to pray. You need to pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me. There's still more work to be done in my life. I repent. I want, I want you to understand, a life of discipleship is a life of repenting. To be a disciple is to be someone who repents regularly. Let me show you why. Three circles again. The first time you repent and believe, it is to be, theological word, justified. Once you have been saved, justified, made right with God, you're gonna begin to recover and pursue God's design. And the closer you get to God, the more you're gonna discover your attitude and actions, the sins of your flesh are still at work. And you're gonna say, man, there's still brokenness in my relationships and my attitude. Sin is still there. You gotta repent and believe, not because you're not a Christian, but because you are. Because the Spirit of God is, theological word, sanctifying you, making you more like Jesus. That happens through repentance. If you are a disciple of Jesus, the first time you repent is to become a Christian. The rest of your life will be spent repenting because you are a Christian. A disciple of Jesus lives a life of repenting. And there comes a point where we have to say, repent. We got to invite them to believe. Uh, another deal, it's connecting. A disciple of Jesus spreads God's story through their story by connecting new disciples into the church. We're not here to make converts. We're here to make disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So look what happened in Acts chapter four, verse four. Something phenomenal. It says, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. There were 5,000 men that got saved. Now, how did they know it was 5,000? Because they counted. They knew every man. They had a conversation with that man and knew that they had repented and believed and were now a part of the church. That was just the beginning, not the end. See, as disciples of Jesus, it's our job to know who has been saved and then to help them get connected into the church. Here's what they knew on that day. There were, were 5,000 men who needed to be in a connect group. There were 5,000 men who needed a place to serve in the church. There were 5,000 men who were gonna be gathering for worship with their families going forward and we need to make room. They knew that because this is what disciples of Jesus do. We connect with one another. If you're not connecting, you're in trouble. You're like a, you're like a coal that's gotten out of the fire and you're, you're, getting, you're getting colder. You need to be brought into the fire with the family and to be warmed by the Spirit of God. We need to be having those conversations. We, we teach how to have those conversations in three big things. If you've never learned to have a conversation about your faith, about how to connect people, to believe, be baptized, and belong, we're gonna offer that this fall. You might wanna write that down, three big things. It's a conversation, and we teach how to have this conversation in a very normal, very, very simple way so that you don't feel uncomfortable and the other people don't either because we've got to be sharing. And that's the last thing to, to get. A disciple of Jesus spreads God's story through their story by sharing what only Jesus can do 
It's only in Jesus. Look at verse 10. Boy, this makes religious people mad when you read this verse because this is unacceptable in, in politically correct cultures. It says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. And look at verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. And we have a responsibility to share that. There are many people, and I, I don't think they mean to, to, to cause harm, but they are causing harm, especially those who claim to be Christians who are telling the world, it, you don't have to believe in Jesus. You just need to believe in whatever makes you feel good. And, and you don't need to worry about what you're doing wrong. As a matter of fact, what you're doing wrong, it's okay. It's, it's right. Friends, we need to be sharing the truth. Because here's the deal. There are not only people who claim to be Christians and claim to be pastors telling lies. There's entire denominations. One of the largest denominations in the world is unwilling to tell the truth anymore. And they have decided we can't win, so we're just going to accept sin and stop calling it sin. We're going to call what is evil, according to the word of God, we're going to say, no, 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 that's not evil. That's loving. That's good. Isaiah chapter five has a word for, for those folks. Woe to those, cursed to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We should not be surprised that there are so-called Christian people standing on stages, even in this city right now, and certainly all over our country, who are telling people, you can be whatever gender you want to be, and you can have whatever kind of physical intimacy you want, and call it what you want. And that is darkness. We shouldn't be surprised by it. Peter said this would happen. In uh, first, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 2, false prophets are also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who, who, who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. For speaking loud boast of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Friends, we've got, to, we've got to be the people who say, don't give up. Hold on to Jesus and the truth. Don't give in to sin. Pursue Christ alone. He can save. He can restore. He can do it. To do this, we have to be able to share, now get this, grace and truth. Grace without truth is lawlessness. It's insanity. Grace without truth is what many so-called Christians are selling this morning. And they're saying, don't worry about what the Bible says. 
After all, you're forgiven. God's gonna love you no matter what. Grace without truth, absolute lawlessness does not honor God. But also, truth without grace is legalism. And there are people today, well-meaning, saying, y'all stop this and y'all better not. And I tell you what, I'm coming down there and you are standing in danger. And, and there's no grace. It's earn your way to God. Get it right or get out. What are we called to? Grace and truth. You know what grace and truth is? The gospel. The truth is we're all sinners. The grace is Jesus has died to pay for our sins. He has been raised. And now our story is changed. Has your story been changed? What's your story? Are you sharing your story and telling the story? Are you a Christian? If this morning you ask Christ to come to your life, come get on your knees and tell him thank you. If you are a Christian and you are committed to sharing the light, come ask for help. Friends, the darkness is spreading. What removes darkness? Light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. But if you hide your light, what good is it? Ask Jesus to enable you to be the light, to share the story through your story. Pray for revival today, friends. Pray for God to do miracles. Let's stand together as we pray. Father God, you have made it very clear that there's only one hope in the world and that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is nothing that you cannot heal that is broken. You can make all things new by the power of the risen Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask you to now call us into conviction, now call us into compliance. Bring us to our knees to ask for your mercy, to ask for revival, to ask for you to change a life. Lord, many of us in this room, I, I've been praying this morning for four specific people. Lord, I pray for them now. And Lord, others want to now come and pray for those they know and love and pray for our church and pray for this nation and pray for revival. Lord, we need you. God, would you now, would you come meet with us and hear us as we pray in Jesus' name. Come and pray as we sing.